Lynn Hiles Ministries presents Dr. Lynn Hiles That You Might Have Life. And here's your host, Dr. Lynn Hiles. Welcome back to the program again this week, and uh, thank you for taking the time out of your busy schedule to tune in every week and watch us. We are deeply grateful uh, that you have uh, taken time out. We value your time, and so we try to share stuff with you that we believe will be a real blessing to you. Uh, once again, we just want to remind you that if you uh, have missed some of the programs and you'd like to go back and, and uh, kind of review some things that we've shared, once again, uh, they are on YouTube, uh, and we upload everything to YouTube. We have our own channel there that you can watch it at your leisure. And uh, you can simply, if you want to make it easy to find, just go to my website at lenhouse.com. That, that's already uh, on the screen. And uh, there is a direct link from that to our YouTube channel. And you can go back there and watch them at your leisure. You can also share these with your friends if they are friends, even in foreign countries. Because the closed captioning on our uh, program, even on YouTube, will translate in every language, I think, around the world. So you can go there and you can share things with your friends. Share them on Facebook. Man, we love it. We appreciate you helping us get the word out. Share it on your Facebook, your social media. That helps us a lot to get the word out. But you can go back there and do that. You can also get our podcast from going to our iTunes feed, or there's also an RSS feed for your smart device. But again, the iTunes feed to our podcast is a direct link. It's straight from our website, or you can go to iTunes and find it, and you can download the podcast every week. To me, it's a wonderful way to redeem the time when you're in traffic a lot. When I'm driving, traveling, I like to put it on my iPhone and just stream it through my car and listen uh, to different kinds of audio because I believe it, it helps us to be able to redeem time, and it sure helps you get through some real traffic situations. So avail yourself to that, and uh, I, I think you'll be blessed. Also, I would mention, I haven't done this very much, but uh, uh, if you would like to become part of our message of the month club, uh, we have a message of the month, a CD of the month that we send out every month. And it is a subscription for $7 a month or $70 a year. And if you'd like to be part of that, all you got to do is either go to our website, sign up, or call the number on the screen. And uh, they will set you up with that. And uh, you will get a message every month. With that, it will be a great blessing to you. But that's part of our partner base that helps us touch an awful lot of people through television. So you're not only being a blessing to you, you're being a blessing to us and to the people that we minister to by doing that. Uh, consider becoming a partner with us. You know, if you want to give more than that, you're welcome to do that. It's a great blessing to receive that kind of partnership, and it is our partners that really carry the cost of television, and we're deeply grateful for, uh, for your help in those areas. I'm going to get in the Word uh, today, though, and I want to go back to Matthew 7. Last week, I started a series well, I started to think, I, I thought I was going to get to Matthew 7, but all I did was kind of review a little bit, and I talked about how Matthew, from Matthew 5 on, is what's commonly known as the Sermon on the Mount, where the Beatitudes are shared, and Jesus is introducing the kingdom. And he's saying to them, in other words, the Beatitudes are attitudes that we need to be in. <laughs> They are attitudes that teach us how to receive the kingdom and attitudes that teach us how to release and minister the kingdom. And we begin to share with you how that the gospel of the kingdom is not just about going to heaven. 
And again, I, I want to keep reiterating this because people can say all kinds of things about what they think you're saying when that's not what you're saying. I am saying that I do believe there is a heaven. I just don't believe uh, that, uh, that that's all there is to the gospel of the kingdom. The gospel of the kingdom is not just about how you get your ticket to heaven or your get out of hell free card, and then you live in 70 or 80, 90 years on this earth in misery, and then you get to go there and be happy. The gospel of the kingdom is about his kingdom coming in your life, and then on earth, Jesus prayed, thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth and on earth as it is in heaven. And so it is about receiving what's happening in heaven and bringing it into manifestation in the earth. I hate to go back and review a whole lot, but when you go back to Genesis again, see this whole thing starts in the garden of Eden where God has a man in his image and his likeness and he is blessed. This is what last week's whole message was about. He was blessed to be a blessing. He was to be an exporter of what was in the garden to take what was in this garden and to fill the earth with what was happening in the garden, to fill the earth with heaven's influence, to fill the earth with heaven's fruit, to let a river flow out of it, so to, to, to be uh, to the blue ball called earth what God was to the invisible realm called heaven. He was to have dominion and then to uh, uh, be fruitful and to multiply and to replenish the earth and to become, we talked a lot last week about being stewards, to be a steward of the manifold provisions of God. I believe, again, just, just kind of piggybacking off of what I shared last week, that, you know, uh, that, that, that we need to be stewards, you know, we need to be stewards of the earth. When you begin to realize that God has put us in charge like he did Adam, to steward our resources. I believe we need to be stewards, 1 Peter 4.10 I shared last week, of the manifold grace of God so we can steward the grace of God. I believe we need to be good stewards of our finances. I believe we need to be stewards. Here's something that I believe God's really saying, and I'm asking the Lord to help me with, to be stewards of our bodies, to steward our health, to, to you know, in other words, to take care of our bodies a little bit. I think sometimes we're so dependent on the miraculous, and I definitely believe in the miraculous, and thank God for the miraculous and the miracles, but I also believe that we need to be stewards even of our bodies. And, and uh, you know, I'm really asking the Lord to help me in these areas myself because that's one of the most difficult things there is to be. To, but, I, but, but on all kinds of levels, we're to be stewards of, of, of uh, the resources that God has given us because we're supposed to bring into the earth as we treat, teach and preach the gospel of the kingdom is to see God bring in the earth what's happening in the heavens to be not conformed to this world, but to be transformed. If it ain't happening in God's world, it shouldn't be happening in ours. And so we bring the kingdom of God and heaven's influence into our homes, into our relationships, into our families, into our finances, and we learn to seek first the kingdom. We taught this in some prior things, and His righteousness. And then all these things are added to us. I believe that one thing, and I'm not trying to make this legalistic, but one thing I think we need to get back to is a kingdom priority. What is our priorities? And uh, when we seek first the kingdom, and then we talked about, 
and his righteousness that the righteousness issue has to be settled, that our righteousness is not based on our performance, but it's based on a gift, and it's out of that divine supply. One of the things I would say clearly concerning the new covenant and the old covenant is the old covenant is bankrupt, and it is a full of demands. But the, but the new covenant and the kingdom of God is full of supply. It's full of resources. And the Lord God blessed them and said, be fruitful. So it is a flow out of what God has already freely given to us. Let me get in the word here, Matthew 7, or we'll be a whole other segment, not even get to this. But it says, judge not that you be not judged. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged. And with what measure you use it, it will be measured back to you. And why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? Or how can you say to your brother, let me remove the speck from your eye, and look, a plank is in your own eye. Hypocrite, first remove the plank from your own eye, and then you will see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Do not give what is holy to dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you in pieces. I think one of the things he's saying to this is simply this, is have value for what you're sharing. You know, I think sometimes, uh, you know, uh, he's dealing with again here, uh, before I even get down into this next segment, he's dealing with attitudes. When you judge not lest you be judged, I think one of the things that we've done uh, is uh, under an old covenant paradigm is we've judged people on the basis of our, whatever our standard of what we think is holy is. And what amazes me is when you travel the world, everybody has a different perspective on what is holy, what's not holy. But he's simply saying here, you know, you, you need to consider the fact with whatever judgment you judge, it's going to be, it's going to come back to you. And I, I, I don't think sometimes he's talking in these particular places, I don't think he's talking about uh, it's going to, God's going to judge you. I think what he's saying is if you're giving this to other people, that's what they're going to give back to you. In other words, if you kill with the sword, you're going to be killed with the sword. When you point one finger this way, there's four of them pointing back at you. And it's easy to discover somebody else's faults uh, when you haven't really been able to take an inward look and, and realize, hey, I need to let God remove some things out of my life so I can see clearly then to be uh, a hand extended, you know, and can help somebody else. But when he says, don't give what's holy to dogs, nor cast your pearls before swine, lest they trample them under the feet and turn and tear you to pieces, I think he's simply saying, the things that are valuable to you, don't just waste them. You know, uh, some time ago, I, I, I was thinking about, the Lord spoke this to me many years ago as a young preacher. And he said, he that goeth forth weeping, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing also the sheaves with him. And the Lord simply said to me, it's not that you have to go around, you know, with tears running down your face, weeping and literally crying, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that. But what he's saying is, he that goes forth weeping, bearing precious seed, will doubtless come again, doubtless come again, rejoicing, bringing with him the sheaves of the harvest. And what he simply began to say to me through that is that, first of all, the seed is precious. I have a deep, deep value for the message that I preach. <clears throat> to me, it's very valuable. And, uh, you know, when, when, when you have an appraisal of the value of what this is, 
when you, you, you will go forth and you will offer it as something that, you know, in other words, if, if other people perceive that what you believe and what you have is valuable, it will draw their attention to it. And you'll come again rejoicing, bringing the sheaves with you. Because what happens is, is that when you esteem it to be valuable, when you esteem it worth getting behind, when you esteem it to be something I've given my life for, you know, I, I, uh, I think even in the way you present it is what he's talking here, he that goes forth weeping bearing precious seed. First of all, again, it is an appraisal of the value of the seed that you carry. To me, I mean, to me, the, the gospel of the kingdom the gospel of grace, the new covenant, whatever terminology you want to use to describe it, has so saved my life. It has so blessed my family. And my family, it has so given us a quality of life that I value it to the point that I want to see everybody to have the same blessing and the same joy and the same peace. And I, I tell my wife a lot of times, I said, if I never preach a minute of some of the things that God has showed me. I could sit on my porch with a cup of coffee and say, good morning, Holy Spirit, and know that I'm accepted in the beloved, that my sin has been forgiven, and that God is not holding my sin against me. I'm secure in His arms. I don't have to walk in guilt and condemnation. And I don't have to fork that out and give it to somebody else. But that I can do that. I said, if I don't preach a minute, the peace and the joy that I experienced through the value of the Word to me, because it's not just something I preach to other people. It's something that I embrace that gives me a quality of life, because again, the gospel is not just about a ticket to heaven or how to get out of hell somewhere in the future. The gospel is about how to live the abundant life right now in this present world and to bring what's happening in heaven into the earth. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done in earth as it is in heaven. It is learning how to get what's happening in heaven to operate here. And there's a value to that. And he said, when you do, uh, you know, you go forth weeping, bearing precious seed, you will doubtless come again rejoicing, bringing also the sheaves with you. And, uh, you know, when you value something, you don't mind getting behind it. I, I think about my own local church that we support here with our time, our talent, and our treasure. Is when you value it, you will get behind it with your time, your treasure, and your talent. Uh, but then the thing he goes on to say is, you know, I, I, let me just say this as well. I, uh, you know, I, 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 I have a, a public profile, so you can go there if you want to on Facebook and, and uh, follow me on my public profile. But I look at sometimes, uh, I look at uh, some of the posts that I see on Facebook. And I see ministries that, I know, and some of them I know, some of them I don't know because I have a lot of people who follow us uh, that we've either met or not met through television or places we've preached. And I read their posts and I think to myself, I'm favorable to their message. I believe what they're saying. But their attitude comes across so stinking. They're preaching grace, but not with a graceful attitude. I think sometimes uh, we as grace people can be some of the most legalistic people about grace that there is. I think we can be ungraceful with how we share the message. It's almost an in-your-face, and you're stupid if you don't believe it like I do. And the truth of it is people are at different stages in their journey. And, uh, you know, I say this boldly, but sometimes truth will make you mad before it makes you free, even when it's handed to you in a right attitude. But I'm simply saying is, is that, you know, when you, get, when you share the gospel, 
Share it with a value that it has to you. Share it with humility. I was teaching some things in a leadership-only uh, meeting uh, not too long ago, and one of the pastors said to me, he said, you know, Dr. Halsey, he said, even if I disagree with your message, your attitude is so sweet about it that uh, you just make it real easy to be around you and easily to be entreated. Because I think people need the safety of being able to, uh, you know, be able to hear things and then let it come through the filters. Because we're, we're really in a real season of reformation when, you know, God is dismantling a lot of things from our old way of thinking. So many times it's easy to default, to default back to that old method. But, you know, when you begin to realize, listen, I'm not handling this uh, as something that has no value. And I'm not going to give it to people who have no appreciation for it. I, I think it's sometimes, you know, there are cases where I am sitting in conversation and I can tell by just, you know, talking to them. They're not open to what I'm saying. So I think what he's saying is, you know, uh, have such a value for what you're saying that you just don't waste it anywhere. Don't just throw it out there and, and, and to people especially. You know, when he's talking about, be, you know, don't cast your pearls before swine lest they trample them under feet and turn and tear you to pieces. There are people who are not interested at all in what you're saying except to destroy you. And uh, they're not, they're, they, you know, they want to take things out of context. And, and uh, you know, I've seen people attach my name to stuff just to try to give it credibility. And it was not what I was saying. Or it was a piece of what I was saying completely out of context. But I believe that when we offer the gospel to people, and we have a value for it, and we have a humility with it, and we have a right attitude with it, I believe that we will be successful. We will come again rejoicing, bringing also the sheaves with us. A harvest will come when we share it in the right way. And we're not coming from a judgmental attitude. We're not coming from, I'm holier than you are, because that's what he's saying here, judge not lest you be judged. And, you know, don't try to cast the, the speck out of somebody else's eye before you cast the plank out of your own. Because when you start to go into these uh, areas of nitpicking with stuff, what's going to happen is it's going to come back to you at some point. And with whatever kind of uh, mercy you've shared, that's the kind of mercy and grace you're going to get back. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be graceful. He goes on to say, Ask, and it shall be given to you. Seek, and you will find. Knock, and it will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. And to him who knocks, it will be opened. Or what man is there among you? If his son asks for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent? If you then, being evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? Therefore, whatever... You want men to do to you, do also to them, for this is the law and the prophets. Now, we've already dealt with the, uh, that particular segment in a um, uh, segment about two or three programs ago when I had my son Jeremy on with this. If a son shall ask, in other words, what he's saying here is if you are in a position or a posture uh, uh, to ask God for something, he's not like men are who doesn't want to give it to you. He's saying, if you ask, you're going to receive. If you seek, you're going to find. If you knock, it's going to be open to you. And we dealt with that in a prior segment. We, when he was talking about, for instance, in Luke's version of this, uh, Luke says that there was a certain man who came and he uh, had somebody who stopped by his house. He had a friend who was on his way. And he didn't have any provisions to set in front of him. And so he goes to his friend who the Bible said was in bed with his children, and the man knocks on the door and says, 
uh, I've got a friend and I need some bread. Can I borrow some bread from you? And, and the guy says to him, listen, man, go away. I'm in bed with my children and uh, like, we're not going to get up and, and give you bread. And the guy's like, I'm going to keep on knocking. And he said, you know, uh, listen, man, we're in bed and I'm in bed with my children. And, uh, you know, uh, I'm just not going to get up and give you any bread. But the guy keeps on knocking. And so for his persistence, the Bible says, the friend would get up and finally give his friend the bread because the guy's not going away. <laughs> Probably as I talk about this, some of you are sitting here thinking about a friend you got that's like that, who just will not leave you alone. They keep texting you or calling you, and finally you just give in just to get them off your back. But what he's saying is your father is not like that. Your father does not have to be begged. Your father does not have to be uh, you know, we, 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 we say things even in prayer. We've used this in prayer like, boy, if you just bombard heaven, you just wear God down. You just keep on, you know, uh, you just keep on knocking on his door. You just keep on bombarding heaven with your prayer. You consistently night and day. And, and boy, if we just get enough people ganging up on God, we can make God do, watch this, what he already wants to do. And what he's simply saying in this context is, hey, I'm not like your evil friend. I'm a good God, and I'm good all the time, and it's my pleasure to give you the kingdom. Man, it's how I enjoy myself. And so when you, when you ask, you're going to receive. When you seek, you're going to find. When you knock, you're going to be open. And he's saying to them, if you, being evil, know how to give good gifts, your Father knows, uh, you know, your Father in heaven will give you good things to those who ask him. And I, I, to me, that to me moves my faith into another level that it's not about pleading, it's not about begging, it's not about a hunger strike, it's not about trying to manipulate and force God. What kind of a father would that be? You know, my kids or my grandkids had to come to me with every single need they had, and I made them beg for days and do some of the stuff that we think God wants us to do in order to receive something. Well, we would, we'd probably be arrested for child abuse. But I'm going to tell you, man, we got a good father. And I believe he's good all the time. Now, sometimes knows an answer to some things because I think God knows sometimes what's best for us. And sometimes I think his answer is no. But the reality of it is, is we need to walk in a faith that says, when I ask, my father is a good God. He knows how to give good gifts to his children. And I don't have to bombard him and beg him and manipulate him to do what he already wants to do or what he's already provided. And I think one of the things that we need to, to step into a realization of is that there's a whole lot of stuff God's already done for us. Because we waste a lot of time in our prayer life either asking God for something he's already done or we're trying to get God to do something he told me to do. And I believe that, you know, uh, sometimes we need to refocus our attention and begin to realize he's a good God and he really does want to bless me. And so, uh, you know, uh, I was thinking about the scripture where it talks about, let me see if I can think about it. It said, you know, it talks about uh, uh, Christ gives to us and he gives to us on the basis of his love. Well, one of the things I would say is faith works by love. In other words, when, when you know that you are loved, your faith goes to another level. Faith works by love. When you know that God's not angry with you, God's not mad with you, and you sit under the gospel of grace, it ought to take your faith to another, another level where you be, can believe God for 
his blessing and his miracles and his provision because he loves you. For if God, who did not spare his only son, but freely gave him up for us all, if God would not hold back his son, what makes you think he would hold back healing or provision or blessing or finances or any other good thing to them that love him and are called according to his purposes. God is not wanting to hold back. But, you know, I was thinking about another text where it talks about we live by the faith of the Son of God who loved us and gave himself for us. So the faith that we live by, I thought, you know, I heard somebody say this just in a passing conversation last week, that we live by the faith of the Son of God. And I thought, as I was driving home, I was thinking, you know, that really kind of grabbed my heart because I'm thinking, what does, what does Christ, what does the Son of God believe about me? And I'm thinking, well, the Son of God believes I'm healed. The Son of God believes I'm blessed. The Son of God believes I'm righteous. The Son of God believes that I'm holy because He's the one that made me holy. That's what he believes about me. So when I live by the faith of the Son of God, I started thinking, man, I, that shifted something in my thinking. I started thinking, you know what? I need to believe about me and my circumstances what God believes about me and my circumstances. Listen, I feel like God's speaking to somebody right now uh, in your living room. And uh, man, you have uh, you really struggled with some things with faith. Listen, it's not even about your faith. It's about what God believes about you. And you might be sitting there right now and you say, well, I got a, I got a doctor's report that really does not sound good. Uh, and uh, you, you've walked in fear and you, uh, you, you know, and every, you know, what happens is then the enemy comes and he starts to form this weapon of condemnation says, well, see there, you probably did something to deserve this, or this is God's judgment on, get rid of that thinking, that stinking thinking and begin to embrace what God said about you and say, I'm going to believe my faith is going to be based on the faith of the son of God who loved me. He loves me, and I'm going to believe what he believes about me. I feel like the Lord's touching somebody right now. I feel like you are standing in a place where uh, your faith has been shaken. But I want you right now just to agree with me for a moment in prayer. And we're going to ask God to do something about that. I just I very rarely do this, but I feel like the Lord is saying somebody is going to receive a miracle. And your next doctor's report, especially in the issue of cancer, is going to be reversed. None of these diseases will come upon us is what the Word of God declares. And so in Jesus' name, Lord, I just, I stretch my hand out and I just, Lord, I agree with them in their faith right now. We're going to believe what you believe about them. We believe they're whole by whose stripes they were healed. We believe they're prosperous. We believe that if a son asks for bread, he'll receive it. Won't have to beg, don't have to plead but we receive it in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. Uh, hallelujah. Well, we're about out of time, but if you uh, have been blessed by the program and you'd like to get behind what we're doing, we really do need your help. And without you, it's impossible to take the gospel around the world. We, we need your partnership. We need the one-time gifts 
And so if you would like to do that, sow a seed into this ministry, please call that number on the screen, or you can go to our website and give via credit card there on the website. There's an easy place to give there and just make a donation and give. And uh, But consider becoming a partner or a message of the month partner with us, and I believe you'll be blessed by it and will be blessed to take the gospel around the world. God bless you. Thanks for joining us. This series is about living life in the context of sonship. Jesus is recognized as a son in the River Jordan by his father. Flowing from his identity as a son, Jesus comes up out of the wilderness in the power of the Spirit with incredible demonstrations of the miraculous. He introduces to his followers the new covenant idea that God is more than just an austere judge. He is our Father. Beloved, now are we the sons of God. Let us awaken to our true identity and set creation free.